Bretto, can you believe it? The Wellness Summit is almost here. Oh, I'm P. I'm so excited. I don't know what to do with myself. Well, Bretto, it's been two long years since our last Wellness Summit. And if you're listening to this, folks, and don't have a ticket, then... What are you doing? The Wellness Couch family of podcasters gather for two days in Melbourne on Saturday, August 25 and 26, featuring... The Queen of Nutrition, Cindy O'Meara. The rock star of wellness, Dr. Damien Christoph. Connect with your spirit and soul with Barley Bomb survivor, Karen Smith. Self-care is on the menu with Kim Morrison. Master the art of ageing well with the one and only Marcus Pierce. Oh, shucks, Bretto. What about how to recover from rock bottom with Dr. Brett Hill? Master your stress with Dr. Maria Zushman. Get empowered with Imogen Bailey. Female health experts Dr. Andrea Huddleston and Ashley Bond. Master your sleep with Audra Starkey. The natural nutritionist Steph Lowe. Australian Idol winner, Wes Carr. Woohoo! And Quirky Cooking's Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab and a whole lot more. Oh, what a lineup, MP. Seriously, why would you not be coming to the Wellness Summit? Not to mention our world-class exhibition of Australia's most incredible, sustainable wellness products and services. MP, we've done the final layout. There are less than 100 spaces left. And there's only a few discounted tickets available at thewellnesssummit.com. Marcus, be there or be square. Zazen Alkaline Water presents the 2018 Wellness Summit, Saturday, August 25 and 26 at the Collingwood Town Hall. Getting quick, folks. The final release of discounted tickets available at thewellnesssummit.com. See you there, Bretto. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favourite caveman, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easier and accessible for everyone. I'm Brett Hill. And I'm still George. <laughs> George, I thought I'd lost you for a second. I was like, I know it's late there, but that was a little bit slow coming in. I felt, I felt like it was like a pause for dramatic effect. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, that great. Was, that's great. I remember my that first one was public speaking. For like impact, yeah. I remember my first public ahead, speaking gig I did. That happened to me, and uh, I'd written down my entire talk word for word, as you do when you you know want to be a great public speaker. And then uh, I had it folded up in the, my suit pocket, and uh, and I went to start my talk. I pulled out this folded up piece of paper and realized that once I unfolded it, with all of the stage lighting that was going on, I couldn't actually read it. And uh, and so I had a nice long pause at the start while I tried to you know clean out my jokes. And um, and after the talk, someone came up to me and said that I loved your talk. That pregnant pause you did at the start was fantastic. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that was great. That was great. Be like, yeah, I was like, I did that on purpose. I totally did that on purpose. That was fantastic. Now, George, today we're going to talk about paleo parenting. And so this is going to be really cool. We're going to talk all about, um, you know, what we do as paleo parents and, and what our aims and goals are as paleo parents in, in regards to, you know, mindset and food and screen time and exercise and activity and all those sort of things you have to take into consideration as a parent and how we go about doing that and you know it's funny I was sitting here thinking about how I was going to introduce this episode and and I was going to start by saying that you and I have sort of atypical families as in we have slightly different situations in terms of 
parents and when we have our kids and all that sort of stuff. But as I started to think about that, it kind of dawned on me that actually we have very typical families <laughs> and, yeah. that, and that it's actually very, very common in our modern world. And so um, I thought it'd be cool for us just to talk about how we negotiate a bit through all of those sort of vagaries as well, because that can you know add some added challenges to it as well. So I guess to start with, tell us about your parenting situation for those who don't know, George. Yeah, that's a great question because when you said that, I was like, oh, this is going to open because I have some of those challenges. But yeah, so uh, I have two beautiful children. Uh, One is my 13-year-old bonus daughter, Cheyenne, and then one is my son, uh, Branson, who is now 20 months. So uh, my wife had a daughter before we met, and I've been her bonus parent since she was eight. And we say bonus because her dad is awesome, and he's an awesome dad and in her life. And him and I talk often. He lives in Texas, and we live in California. And so I'm bonus because she gets both parents. And then Branson is my wife and my son together. So I have a 13-year-old. Um going on like 30 and then i have a 20 month old who bosses me around like he's my parent so that's that's where i am in my parenting situation and he's a little, about yours? And he's a little dude he has the wickedest uh, mm-hmm. mohawk going he's a cool little kid his, from what i've seen on instagram his, his mohawk is like on a different level of epic it's, <laughs> i love it it's intense so what about what about yours yeah, so I've got two. And, you know, it's funny you talk about bonus parent, George, because this actually came up in conversation in our household just last night. And we were talking, Steph and I were talking about how awesome it is that you use that word and how much we love it and how much we want to sort of incorporate it into our lives as well. Because I have two children, Tom and Charlotte, who are seven and nine. And so uh, I have uh, both of them uh, 50-50. So I have them half of the week, sort of Sunday through to Wednesday uh, they're at my house and the other half of the week they're with their biological mum and uh, and and so uh, they're obviously with myself and with Stephanie who is now their bonus mum who does an amazing amazing job and what I imagine is a challenging role and, and hats off to you and hats off to Stephanie because you know there, there are certain challenges that come with being a a non-biological parent, I reckon, and, and challenges that come with being any sort of parent, really, and uh, and so it's a you know it's an interesting dynamic that comes into it. So um, you know it it does make it different, I reckon. You know I've I've had the experience of kind of doing both. You know when my kids were younger, so up until the age of two and four, I was living with their mum. We were doing all the parenting together, um, and and in many ways that was kind of. Particularly in terms of when we talk about the sort of diet and lifestyle stuff, I mean, you know, it's easy when they're two and four because they just kind of do whatever you tell them to. <laughs> you know, they, they don't really have as much option at that age. Um, and, you know, whatever you bring into the house is what's in the house. There's no outside. There's not so much peer pressure in school. And, you know, they can't swap lunches at school or anything like that. And so, you know, my kids grew up from those first few years as paleo. You know, we were doing paleo at home uh, and that was really easy and that was really natural. But then I guess as they've gotten older, um, you know, we're, we're now living in separate homes. Uh, their mum's home isn't as paleo as our home is. And so, you know, that brings up certain challenges. And obviously then, you know, going to school, um, then they get exposed to all sorts of different stuff. And, and so lots of different foods at school, lots of different ideas around exercise and screen time and mindset and all those different factors, which, which really sort of come into it. And, and it makes it a very interesting experience as a parent because what you very, quickly realize is that you can't control what your kids do uh, and so you know the only, the only thing you can control I guess is the environment you create with them to help them make great choices and uh, and that that's all you can do is you know help teach them how to make great choices so that hopefully when they're not with you they make some really good choices as well and 
So that's kind of my that's my story. It's also kind of my approach with the kids. How have you found it? You've obviously got two very unique situations in terms of your two um, that you know one of them you didn't know until or presumably didn't know. I don't, I don't know if you, actually if you knew her before, but but you know didn't live with at least until the age of eight. Um, how has that been in terms of uh, you know integrating with your lifestyle? Yeah, that's that's awesome, and I take a very similar approach to your perspective, uh, and that's all my wife, not me. Um, <laughs> My wife has a background in uh, neurolinguistic programming and hypnosis, and you know she raised our daughter um, until she was eight, pretty much as like a single parent. So mm. she has a lot of like empowerment. Like there is no right or wrong; there just is, and like you always get to choose. But every choice you make has consequences, and so if you don't feel good or you crash out or you pass out, it's normally because something caused it. So we talk about like you know, cause and effect and, and the things that have consequences. And we never go restrictive uh, because I was bulimic for 15 years because mm. I was restrictive and made bad and wrong and told I was fat and all these different things. And so it's actually really interesting because my wife had this really, really good background in understanding the mind and why we do things as human beings. And I have this background of coming from this disordered eating past with abuse and all these other things. And so... We just want to make sure that like our children are set up to win, just like you were saying, where, you know, like our daughter um, goes to, you know, friends birthday parties like she's 13 and she's gone to parties and she's like, hey, guys, I went to the party. I actually didn't eat because they didn't have anything I wanted and I knew it wouldn't make me feel good. And then she's gone to parties and been like, I went to this party and I knew it was going to hurt, but it had everything I wanted and I ate all of it. And we're like, cool. And then she passed out for 22 hours and was sick for like three days. And we're like how you feeling? And she's like, don't talk to me. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, we still love you. And I have some things that'll help. So drink this bone broth and get some rest and let me know how it goes. But that's really, really what it's about. Because when, when we really, really get into it, like, you know, my son's 19 months, right? So he actually already tells me what he doesn't want to eat. Um, he doesn't listen at all. So I don't <laughs> get to put it whatever I want. I'll be like, do you want yogurt? No. Do you want milk? No do you want eggs? No. Do you want fruit? No. And then like, he'll point to my coffee and say, Dada. And then I'm like, do you want my coffee? And he'll be like, yes. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh my God. Right. Like, and so you're so my son. <laughs> so my son and so opinionated and so bossy. And you know, the thing is, is that, you know, the whole thing, it's like a learning thing for both of them. And no matter what we do, like we're never going to be able to control everything that goes in their mouth or make their decisions for them. And so we we work very, very hard for both of them. Um, Branson obviously being a lot younger, he's only 20 months, but on really empowering them to choose. And so Branson doesn't get to just point to something. We're like, okay, use your words. And he's like, okay. And then I'm like, is this what you want? And he'll be like, yes. I'm like, all right, cool. And then there'll be times where he'll just be yelling. We're like, Branson, um, you know, look mommy in the eye or look daddy in the eye and say, you know, milk, please, or, you know, yogurt, or I'm hungry. And, you know, we're, we're just really trying to get into this space where, you know, he gets to choose and he's in charge of his choices and he gets to make requests and things like that. And then we also have balance on the other side where, quite frankly, when my son points to my coffee, I'm not going to let him drink it, even though it's decaf, um, <laughs> yeah. that, that point zero one percent knocks kids on a whole different level because he got a sip of my coffee one day and it was misery. 
pure yeah, like, you don't like give your kids misery. alcohol you know like there's, there's, was, got, there's a limit there somewhere right like i i i literally threw my you know decaf americano i completely drank the entire thing and threw it in the trash and he went and pulled it out of the trash and there were like four drops in it and it turned the kid into like a crack addict and <laughs> i was like what happened and then i saw the cup was out of the trash and i was like you got to be kidding me like you got to be kidding me right now but okay besides the point so you know we 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 try to make it so he gets to ask for things and we empower him to ask and then also you know if there is something that doesn't make sense we don't want him to have it or it's bedtime or something there we say nope like you can't have that right now you can have this or this if you can have either of those that's fine or you can just go to bed and so you know we keep the guidelines there like we keep some structure and some semblance of context because obviously i don't want my kids eating candy or doing any of that stuff but then within the that framework we empower them to choose so in a very long-winded answer i do it very much the same way that you do i love it i love it and exactly what you're talking about i absolutely love like when you said my daughter said i'm gonna go to a party there's junk food there i'm gonna eat it and i know i feel bad for me that's a win like like i hear you say that and i'm like that's awesome parenting because She's making an informed choice about what she wants and she knows what the consequences are. And, and to me, that's my goal as a parent. You know, my goal is for you to, be, to know what the consequences, you know what the truth is, and then you get to make your own choice. You know, so I just reckon that's awesome. And the, the coolest thing is when you really see it start to, you know, your kids start to get it. I mean, the, the first sign of this for, with me, with my kids, was birthday parties. And so I came up with this sort of negotiation with my kids around birthday parties and around the lolly bags at birthday parties, you know. And so once again, you know, my thing I always talk to the kids about is like truth and consequences, right? So I'm like, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to make sure you know what the consequences are. You get to decide what you want to do and then you have to deal with the consequences, you know. And so we talked about lolly bags at kids' parties. And I was like, hey, you know, you're going to get these lolly bags at the end of the kids' party. That's okay. If you want to eat it, that's fine. You know, what you can expect is it's going to taste good. Like, I don't lie to them. I don't say, oh, you're going to hate it. It's horrible. It's, you know, gross food. Don't eat it. I'm like, you know, it's going to taste good. It's going to, like, stimulate your senses. You're going to probably enjoy eating it. You're probably going to be on a high for the next half an hour, you know, buzzing around. Um, But I said, later on, you might not feel so good. You know, that night, you might feel a little bit sick. The next day, you might feel tired and grumpy. You might get sick, you know. So, we talk about all the truth and the consequences of of what might happen. Um, And I I always try and ask lots of Socratic questions. So later on that day, I'm like, hey, how are you feeling? Have you noticed that you've been a little bit grumpy? You know, did you notice how you snapped at your sister? Do you think there's a link there? You know, I don't tell them. I just keep asking questions, you know. Uh, And then the converse, the option I give them is I say, well, hey, when you come back from the birthday party, if you decide you don't want to eat the lolly bag, here's a here's a swap we can do. You give me the lolly bag, I'll give you a bag of Lego. You know, I'll go I'll go to the shops and I'll buy you some Lego in exchange for that lolly bag. And so that the truth around that is that the Lego is lots of fun whilst you get it and whilst you play with it, but also the Lego is still fun that night and it's still fun the next day. Like there's no downside to having the Lego. And so I'm like, well, this is, you know, this is your option. You can eat the lolly bag if you want, or if you want to swap it out for the Lego, we can do that too. And I can remember, you know, my son excitedly coming home from a birthday party going, hey, dad, I got a lolly bag. How cool is this? And I was like, yeah, cool, you know. And then he's like, can I swap it for Lego? And I was just like, yes, yes, we have a winner, you know. And uh, and it's really cool when you are able to empower your kids and you see them making great choices. It's super exciting. So you're doing a great job, George. I love it. I love it. So, so are you. So are you. And, you know, for me, the epiphanies come from not the epiphanies, but like the win for me. Like, I totally believe it's a win when she chooses. Uh, the bigger win for me is that 
when she chooses, she feels free to choose regardless, choose regardless of what she chooses because she doesn't feel wrong or guilty. And that's like yeah. really a testament to me, like eliminating that ammunition that, uh, in my opinion, so often goes overlooked after we create these kids paradigms where we show up in a manner and we train kids in a manner and people in a manner in general, like when we speak to them in our languaging patterns that make them feel bad and wrong for yeah. their choices. And, and the truth is, is that number one, who the hell are we to choose what's bad and wrong? And number two, uh, we need to be present to that is what creates or exacerbates or kind of nails the coffin shut in body dysmorphia, orthorexia, eating disorders, and and a lot of things that are unhealthy. And I don't ever want anyone to be that way. So I, I think it's very, very important that like no matter what style of parenting you do, like for example, like just like you, when Cheyenne goes to her dad's, it's not a very paleo household. It's actually not paleo at all, like zero, zero paleo. And Cheyenne doesn't eat paleo at home. She doesn't eat gluten-free at home. She eats a what I would define as a standard American diet, except I don't have junk food in the house. Like when there's <laughs> chips in the house, it's Siete chips. When it's like, you know, dips in the house, they're like as healthy as possible. When I buy her soups, I buy her gluten-free ones. When I buy her mac and cheese, I buy her Annie's gluten-free. And she knows but when we go out to dinner or she goes anywhere, it doesn't stop her from eating all the bread that they put on the table and she just crushes it because she's a 13-year-old girl that's growing and quite frankly out eats me like one to two every single time. <laughs> and we just don't make it wrong. And then she goes to Texas and, and things happen. Like she's come back and she's like, you know, I was eating this way and I felt bad and my acne got bad. And so I stopped and it went away. And like, I'm like, yeah, like at 12 years old, I'm like, oh my God, like cause and effect, like awareness, like she's understanding and learning that she is empowered and in charge of her life and everything is there. So the, the thing for me, and the, oh, and the big thing for me, big, 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 big talking about parenting. Never, ever, 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 ever have I had, have I ever made her dad or her dad's wife wrong for how they eat ever. Mm -hmm. She'll tell me what they eat. She'll tell me what's in their house. She'll tell me that there's ding dongs, ho-hos and pasta. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I'm glad that they enjoy that stuff. Like, you know, what did you eat? And she's like this and this. I'm like, cool, I'll have to make you feel. She's like, I felt normal. I'm like, awesome, cool. Like I never like project it out on people or try to make them wrong because then now I'm getting into like throwing a child in between my opinion of two grown adults or differences of opinion based on our backgrounds and stuff. And so I think that that's super, super important when it comes to the parenting of it as well. Like, you know, it's great that she doesn't feel guilty and she feels empowered to choose, but also uh, we need to be present that we don't create a situation where she feels guilty because we don't agree with her dad or agree with her dad's wife or don't want her doing a certain thing, which would then completely negate her entire experience. And she would spend six weeks or eight weeks or 12 weeks over the summer just literally feeling like she can't do anything and she's not empowered to choose because now she's managing the expectations of her father based on my opinion and judgment. So we're really present about that stuff as well. Yeah, and it is. You do have to be so present about it because it's really tough. Like it's a, it's a really tricky line to find between telling your kids the truth about you know what you think the results might be of eating a particular food or taking a particular activity. Like you want them to know what the consequences are so that they can make a really informed choice. But at the same time, you don't want to make anyone else wrong. And I think that is a very tricky balance. And and I'm 
I would say I've definitely fallen on the wrong side of that balance before with with both my ex and with my kids. Uh, and it's a it's a constant uh, thing to be conscious of to try and get that balance right. Um, and I think the key to it, really, what it comes down to is remembering that there isn't any right answer. You know, like, we don't know. Yes. Like, like, I could I could be wrong. You know, like, paleo might be totally wrong. I, I don't think it is, but it's possible, you know. And I think when I totally. kind of remember that, like, when I remember that perspective that actually, who am I? Like, you know, who am I to say what's right and what's wrong and what's right, especially what's right for someone else and what's wrong for someone else? Like, it's like, I actually don't know. And, and I think when you can come from that perspective of, I don't know, and I'm curious. That that's when you're much more likely to get the balance right, and and you know, and that's when I do come back to those sort of Socratic questions of like, just as you said, going to the kids saying, "Hey, what did you notice? How did you feel? What do you think?" You know, and, and that's that's really the direction I try and take much more often now. And even then, you know, you've got to be so careful that you're not asking it in a loaded way. Like, you know, it, it, yes. is, it is hard sometimes not to kind of want to gloat at your kids when they've eaten something you told them they shouldn't or, you know, you don't think they should have and they're feeling crappy. And, like, you, you do find yourself sometimes almost gloating at the fact that they've kind of learnt the hard way. And then you're like, oh, my God, what am I doing? Pull back yeah. here. You know, get check your ego at the door. Let's be a good parent again, you know. But but I think it's really important for every parent to remember that we all do it. Like, I've done it. I would guarantee you've done it, George. And every parent on the planet, you know, has to find this fine line and this balance. And we all get it wrong sometimes. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to take that ammunition away from anybody right now. Like, you will always do it. And, <laughs> <laughs> like... And it, it it is a balance and it's a fine line. And I, I got every point that you made is so like, how do we know it's right? Like before I even knew about paleo, uh, I had an eight pack with veins running through it and I was eating a standard American diet and I thought I was like God's gift to this planet. Like I was like a walking physical specimen. And if you tried to get me to eat paleo, then I would be like, you're nuts. Like you're crazy. Look at me. Like look at how I perform. I didn't know any better. So I don't ever try try to think in absolutes, but yeah, like it is definitely a balance and it's a fine line. And like uh, I do actually gloat at my daughter and I laugh at her uh, and I'm just going to tell everybody that. But she also has no problem laughing at me <laughs> when I'm like, hey, do you want to go get ice cream? She's like, you know, the ice cream is going to make you sick. I'm like, yeah, but you're going to suffer more than I do because I don't mind the smell of my own gas and blowing up the bathroom and you do. <laughs> and then we like we literally like joke with each other and she's like it's gonna hurt so bad i'm like it actually is and then i end up for some reason or another getting like grass-fed ice cream and not being upset and then she ends up with a tummy ache and i'm like oh that's we get for making fun of me but we just we don't make it bad and wrong we just make it playful and safe and like we're kind of on an equal playing field but yeah i mean i i totally and i still i still actually do it to my wife too yeah like when it when it comes to like, hey, we're out to dinner and my wife's like, oh, I'm doing so good. I'm like, yeah, baby, you're doing amazing. And then she's like, oh, I'm going to order this. I'm like, yeah, baby, but you said you wanted to stick to your goals. Like, you know, are you sure? And then I know better than to push that line too far. And I, <laughs> I basically say it once. And then if, if she's like, I'm doing it anyways. I'm like, that's a great idea, babe. Like, let me just order it for you. And then <laughs> we're in the car on the way home. And she's like, oh, I wish I didn't do that. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, it's not like you didn't have anyone near you that said it was a bad idea or reminded <laughs> you 
that it wasn't aligned to your goals and she's like shut up and i'm like i love you i love you i'm gonna <laughs> and, and once again it's that fine line isn't it like this is life you know that the, there are no uh you know black and white rules there's no right and wrong and so you know there's nothing wrong with being a bit playful and having some fun with it and you know and so that once again it's that kind of fine line between like taking it too far and and making them feel guilty <laughs> versus you know having a little bit of a joke and having it playful and and you know only you you guys, you know, only any couple, you only you know what the right answer to that is and where that line exists for the two of you. Um, and it does, it can make it a challenge, you know. Um, but what about some of the other things? I mean, we've spoken a bit about food. What are your thoughts? I mean, screen time is so important. We just did an interview for the wellness guys all about screen time. And one of the stats that stuck with me was the guy was, he was talking about quantity. I mean, he was saying his idea, this was a researcher from Macquarie University, and he was saying that his idea was that really as long as kids are having less than three hours a day on a screen um, and as long as and that wasn't even their total screen time that was just their non-productive screen time so like outside of school and stuff it was like less than mm-hmm. three hours a day that was considered good I was quite shocked by that number the other number I was shocked by that he shared was he said that 56% of kids this was in America but I imagine it's exactly the same in Australia 56% of kids over the age of eight years old were playing Grand Theft Auto I was like oh, wow. are you kidding me you know, and when he started talking about some of the things that exist in that game and some of the things that you do to get ahead in that game, I was absolutely shocked. And so it made me realize just how much of a big deal this whole screen time thing is for our kids. You know, how do you manage that? I mean, imagine for your oldest that you know, she's right in that age where that's going to be really challenging. How do you how do you manage that? Yeah, we're really open with her. So, like, I don't have to worry about her. She doesn't play like games like that. Um you know, we don't manage her screen time like with her cell phone or with her computer or even with her television as long as she is hitting all of her wickets. She's on presidential honor roll, which means she's a straight A student. She wakes herself up every single morning in school. She gets herself ready. She makes her own lunch. And, you know, we're like, great. So that's how she thrives. And, you know, quite frankly, she's a very creative person. And when she's on the screen, like, I remember I actually used to get upset. Like, I'm like, babe, like, we can't just let her be on the computer all the time. We can't just let her be on the computer all the time. And my wife's like, why? Why is it bad? And I'm like, well, Hmm. I don't know. Why is it good? She's like, well, what if it's neither? What if it just makes her comfortable? I'm like, yeah. And like, I just assumed like, oh, she's wasting time. She's playing these games. Like, I remember this game Animal Jam. And I never really like took the time to see. And like, one day I went up there and um she read these books my daughter was addicted to these books called warrior cats and there's like hundreds of them hundreds of them they're all written by like a surname there's like eight authors or something so one new one comes out like every day um and she would read an entire book in a day now she's 11 years old at that time like literally like and i'm not talking like a kid's book like i'm talking like over 200 pages and then she would go through these spurts where she'd read like seven to 10 to 15 to 20 books a month and then she wouldn't read anything. And then she'd like be on this computer and like it was a different swing. And then one day I actually went upstairs and she had made like a 700 slide PowerPoint presentation on the character development of every single cat in those books that she was reading. <laughs> and I was like, uh, can I hire you? Like, I didn't know what to say or do, but I just assumed. And I'm like, I would never want to take that away from her. Like she read like 25 books remember the characters names the plot development who they were what their nuances were and then she put them all into a powerpoint present i'm like that is insane like number one that's insane 
number two is if I'm like, no, you can't be on the computer or you can only have this much time or you shouldn't do this, then she would never have the ability to do that. And I'm the same way, quite frankly, to the disagreement of a lot of people. I am the same exact way when it comes to like watching television or watching movies. Like if my daughter wants to watch an R-rated movie, I'm like, okay. I'm like, why do you want to watch it? And she's like, well, for this and this and this and this. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm like, you know what's in the movie, right? And she's like, well, I'm like, there's going to be boobs. There's going to be butts. There's going to be sex. There's going to be swearing. There's going to be all that. I'm like, do you still want to watch it? She's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm like, we can go see it. Let's ask mom. My mom's like, yeah, or no. And the thing is, it's never like bad or wrong or taboo. And the, and the truth is, is that we're very open. We had the conversation about the birds and the bees when she was like nine. And we're like, hey, kids are going to be talking about this in school. Kids are going to have drugs in school. Kids are going to be saying this. And the truth is, is that you never have to be ashamed to talk about it. It's always a safe space. And the feelings are normal. And the fears are normal. And the peer pressure is normal. And remember, you always have the power to choose. And your home is always a safe space. You can share anything with us. And so that doesn't just mean in a compartment. It doesn't mean like just when kids talk about drugs, you have to do it everywhere. So we do do it everywhere. And it's really funny because then, you know, we were watching The Walking Dead and I let her watch it. I mean, it's fake zombies. Like, I don't care. And like, I'm like, it's such a joke. And she's like, I don't want to watch this anymore. And I'm like, why? And she's like, well, my dad said it was bad. And I didn't negate her dad at all. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, he doesn't want you watching. She's like, no, it's too violent. And, you know, he thinks it might give me nightmares. I'm like, okay, sweetie. I'm like, we just won't watch it anymore. And then she comes home like three weeks later and she's like, oh my God, I have a new show I want to watch. I'm like, what? And she's like, I've been watching The Bachelorette. I'm all. And that's where I wanted to go straight to judgment. I'm like, okay, so it's bad that I'm letting her watch a fake zombie get killed by defending his family, but it's okay to put a woman in a house with 21 men to make out with them every single night and make them chase her and lead them on and play games with all of them to then choose a winner. And I was like, uh, I had to call my wife. I'm like, I need to talk to you right now. And so the thing was, is that that was a moment that challenged my ego. It challenged all of those things. And I was like, well, but that's her understanding and that's her dad and that's his vision. And I'm okay with that. And so once again, I went right to choice and I'm like, okay, shy, shy. I'm like, well, what do you think of the show? And she's like, well, I actually don't like that, you know, like all these guys are there and I feel like some of them are mean to each other and they say things that aren't true because they want her attention. And like, I just don't think it's okay. But then I love how sweet the woman is. And I know she just wants somebody to love her. And like, I wouldn't even know, like if I would ever even be willing to go on a TV show to try to find somebody to love me. And then I'm like, God, she's so mature. And I was like, so I can't make it wrong. I just have to play within the context of what's there and figure out how to empower her to just constantly choose. And so I know that was kind of long-winded and a little bit of a rant, but like that's how it actually is in our house. I loved it. I loved it. It's exactly the same perspective, isn't it? It's about giving them that freedom of choice and letting them choose. And you know, we had the same experience with Tom recently with the screen time. You know, and Tom does. You know, he gets right into some of these computer games, and and he plays them. He doesn't play them in our house because we don't really have the screens. And uh, because I know that he does it a lot at his mum's house, so we've never sort of felt the need to get laptops or tablets or anything like that because you know. I still do know that those things are important. Like, he's going to grow up in a digital age where doing stuff online is going to be really important, and that's where a lot of the jobs are going to be. So, you know, I don't want to totally deny him of that, but I guess I'm kind of lucky that because I know that he's getting a lot at his mum's house, I kind of don't feel like I need to do it at my house, and we can just do, like, kind of fun outdoorsy things and, you know, go for walks and and, and do more stuff that I enjoy Mm. doing for me and, and that he enjoys doing with me as well, which is kind of cool, but... 
one of the things you noticed recently, one, one thing they would always do at my house is when they woke up first thing in the morning is they'd go and watch TV for like half an hour. Um, and, and what started to happen with Tom was because he'd been spending a lot of time on the screens, he was actually starting to develop a little bit of a tick. And so he'd have like this little eye flicker that would happen. And it was happening a lot, like all throughout the day. And so um, the cool thing was I was able to just sit down and talk to Tom about it. And I was like, hey, Tom. And, and the, you know, we went to a, a biocidical symposium in, in Melbourne. And I actually talked to this uh, pediatric – in fact, I think you know her. Uh, actually, no, it wasn't Amy. It was, it was Dr. Lisa Song. She was really cool. And, and I said to her, Lisa, you know, what do you think this is you – know, what, what do you think might be linked to this? And she talked about parasites and she talked about screen time and she talked about all these other factors. And so I was able to go back to Tom and say, hey, Tom, I spoke to this doctor. This is what she said. And she said that maybe it might be related to screen time. What do you think? And he was like, well, actually, you know, I think it might be. He's like, I didn't notice the other day when I spent eight hours a day playing this particular game that afterwards it seemed to be happening more. And so over the course of like a couple of weeks, every time I noticed that he was doing it a lot, I was like, hey, what, what have you been doing recently? What were you doing yesterday? What were you doing today? And he started to sort of draw a link between it to the point where He's basically decided now that whenever he comes to my house, he's not going to do any screen time, any TV at all. Um, and Because he, he knows that he wants to play his game when he goes to his mum's house. So he's like, his mm-hmm. version of how to regulate that is, well, I'll do it at mum's house. But then when I'm at dad's house, I just won't do it at all, which I think is really cool. And so I came out the other morning and he and Charlotte were playing chess on the coffee table and uh, just waiting for me to go up and make them breakfast. And I was just like... This is the coolest thing ever. And once again, it's not like bad or wrong. I know he plays the game. He tells me he plays the game and I'm totally cool with that. But he's been able to make that decision about what he thinks is an appropriate level of playing that game for him to allow him to keep functioning well. And it is just, you know, it's a, it's the long game, isn't it? Like it's like the, the long game is when you teach them how to make great choices then the chances are where they're going to be in 5, 10, 20 years' time is much closer to where you'd like them to be than if they're only actually doing it because you tell them to, uh, in which case totally. as soon as they're out of your sight, you're in massive trouble. Totally. And like, let's not forget that like I'm almost 35 years old and I still make pretty bad choices all the time and I'm yeah. still learning. So Yeah, and I'm 38 I feel, I feel- and sometimes I like playing computer games. Yeah. Yeah. Or I go down that or I go down that like deep Instagram hole and then five hours later I'm like, oh my God, I'm still on Instagram. My phone is dead. Exactly. And it was at a hundred percent when I started. Exactly. See, that's how you know I spend too much time in hotel rooms. So <laughs> Oh man. I don't know. I think I just think I think it's just such a powerful topic and like I kinda wanna wrap a bow on it because you know like we can go on forever. I think we'll theme or what I'm hearing underneath all of it is that, you know, our mission should always be instead of handing our kids fish, teaching them how to fish. And rather than speaking in absolutes or being like, don't do this because I'm your parent. It's like asking the questions and getting them enrolled in the in the situation because they aren't any better or different than us and they aren't less than us just because they're our children. It's like when we can empower them to look at the things in their life and what their actions create and what consequences or results come out of them, then they're better empowered to choose. And I feel like it it sets them up to win and it, it helps us realize that we are kind of grooming them to be the best versions of themselves, but empowered with all the right information. So it's really about being open and being articulate and and kind of letting our own egos go to look at it a little bit differently than we might want to and seeing if it's the best for them, the best for us and the best for their future. So I, I don't know. I think that this was such a powerful topic. Mate, I can't think of a better way to finish it. I, I think that last little spiel you gave us just there is probably definitely going to be the, 90, the 
50 seconds that our social media team steal out of this episode and put onto social media because that was just a perfect summary and a perfect way to finish. So thanks for the chat, George. I feel like I've become a better parent just chatting to you. It's been great today. I feel like I'm going to like call my wife and talk to her about how I can be a better parent even though she's asleep before I go to bed <laughs> so I can go to sleep and we can make a plan to just keep getting better. So I, that's what it is, right? It's this constant pursuit of just elevating our game a little bit of time. And when we focus on our kids and doing it that way, I mean, the impact is going to be immeasurable. So no, my pleasure and uh, I'm glad that we did it. I love it. I love it. And you learn so much from your kids. So for everyone else, join the conversation on Facebook. I'd love to know what you think of this episode. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Join our newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com and let's help grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on That Paleo Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.